All right, welcome everyone into another edition of the KSL Court Report podcast. I'm Andy Larson, the Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com. Ben Anderson joins me on the show, as he does always. We're back after the playoff conclusion. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked a lot about the end of the playoffs in this season for the Utah Jazz um, on other podcasts. If you haven't already checked out, check out the Salt City Hoop show. Um, we have those podcast feeds on iTunes and Stitcher as well. So, um, you know, we, we just talked about the end of the season and, and how that went for the Utah Jazz for two hours on uh, what was that? That was Wednesday, I guess. Wednesday. Um, yeah. So uh, if you've been missing out on end-of-season coverage, check that out. Um, but for now, we wanted to talk about uh, a couple of things that we that's going on in the NBA right now. First, uh, the, the draft process. Yep. We'll talk about that at the end. Uh, and then I also wrote this article for KSL.com this morning about this season's uh, jazz surprises, pleasant surprises, and jazz um, disappointing disappointments. Yeah. So... Um, and I think we have like a couple of different perspectives on on some of these guys. So let's let's talk about it. So here's your surprises: yeah. Rudy Gobert, uh, Joe Ingles were kind of your two biggest guys, right? And that's I mean I think those are good choices. I think uh, Rudy Gobert climbed to that elite level. I mean he's a top fifteen, top twenty player in the NBA. I think when he's one hundred percent, when he's healthy, he yeah. has as big an impact on the game as any defensive player. I think. I mean, some of the stats I threw out there, I don't even, I don't even know if I believe, and yet I, I don't really disbelieve them either. I mean, for him to have fourteen and a half win shares or fifteen and a half wins by the the real plus minus metric, I mean, that's sixth in the league right now. Yeah. That's that's incredible, and I, I, I think you have to say that you know you look at what he does defensively, and now he's finishing at the rim and doing all those th- things offensively. Rudy Gobert's a superstar. Yep, he is. Uh, as long as he can stay healthy, and that's kind of the key for every superstar. You worry about it a little bit more with his body type. But right. other than that, yeah, if he stays healthy, I mean, he is worth 15 wins, and every team wins 20 games. So, I mean, you're a 35-win team because of who he is. Right, you can't bottom out. Because, you know, you can't play bad teams against Rudy Gobert because they they can't finish at the rim, right? right. Like, there's, right. you just take away that whole part of their game. Which is great. That's um, amazing. And then Joe Ingles was my other pleasant surprise. I mean, I think that one's pretty obvious. Yep. He wasn't slated to be a rotation player this year with the Jazz's uh, core additions, and and uh, you know as well with Alec Burks coming back. I think him not playing for the first couple of months was a surprise. Uh, but I mean, Joe Ingles won the starting spot over Rodney Hood and deserved it. Yep. And, yeah, absolutely. And and is a guy that the Jazz can not build around going forward, but can rely on going forward if they decide they want to bring him back. And yeah. it's worth giving real money to. I mean, he's not a guy who you give three years and 36 million or whatever, you know, kind of the number that's going to float around, and then you regret it. I mean, that's a really good number for a guy who shoots that well, who plays as smart as he does. He, I don't remember him losing the Jazz a game this year. No. I mean, he didn't have that game where he had a turnover in the backcourt with two minutes left, and that's one play. I mean, generally one play isn't going to lose you a game, but he didn't even have that. You know, he didn't even have that that crazy bad mental lapse that cost you a game. And some of that's because the ball's not really in his hands late in the game, right? I mean, he's right. still a 13 14% usage guy, um, but he's so efficient with it. It's smart and, and I think adds something in the locker room, too. Um, he's, he's going to, I, you know, I was really encouraged to hear him say that he wants to be around, um, and is willing to make that happen as quickly as possible. I was originally going to have three surprises and I couldn't come up with like a really convincing third. Is there a third guy on this team that you would say is a surprise? Gordon Hayward? Yeah. I mean a little bit, right? But it's also the same like he's improved fifteen percent every year since he got into the league. He was way better in the playoffs. Well, okay, how many how many guys do that for seven years? Yeah, just no, nobody. That's true. 
At some point, you think he would top out, and he hasn't. And he was even better in the playoffs than he's ever been. Yeah. So that was a surprise to me. And we talked about that before the playoffs started, that do we trust him? And we both kind of said, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's that good. I don't know if he's that, that good. We right. know he's really good. We didn't know if he was almost single-handedly win you a playoff series good. And he is. Yeah. He very clearly is. I mean, he beat a team that I know they lost Blake Griffin. They still had Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. You know, like, that's so really, and they had home court advantage. Right. And he lost his second best player in Rudy Gobert for four of the games and never got, or three of the games and never got him back to 100%. Scored 40. I mean, uh, right. number of 40-point playoff scorers in this year's playoffs. Right. I mean, If you break a record, eight. any record for the Jazz, that you take Carl Malone's place, which is 21 points in a quarter, you know, if you do that in a playoff game, you're really an elite basketball yeah. player. And he is. He's, he's absolutely a top 20, top 25 player. I didn't know if he would ever break that. So that, that surprised you? That surprised yeah. me, yeah. Okay, that's and, fair. Uh, and good for the Jazz. I mean, that's nice. You would love to bring it back now. Right. Uh, I would, you know, I was thinking maybe Joe Johnson. Um, yeah. But uh, I think for a season-long production, I don't know that that was a surprise. I mean, he's a, he was a, like a 12, 13 PER guy. You know, that's right. that's kind of what you expected. Well, he came out um, the first game without Hayward and had 30 points against the Trailblazers. Right. And then he never did that again. Yeah. That was until a, he got to the playoffs. And we knew that at the time. Like, you know, I I remember writing in game one in the triple team. This is probably the best scoring performance Joe Johnson will have all season. Yeah. And it was. Right. But, you know, again, carrying the team and not carrying, well, kind of carrying the Some team in the quarters, playoffs for, for, sure. for stretches anyway. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that he could do that. Um, He's a guy, and I'll just say this, I just you watch him and he kind of has been marred and has this bad reputation because he's made so much money, which is not a bad thing to do if you're a single person or what, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, as the individual Joe Johnson, make as much money as you want. Like, that's right. an awesome goal. Uh, I didn't respect how good of a basketball player he is until I watched him 82 times in a year. Yeah. Whether he was in Atlanta, whether he was in Phoenix, whether he was in Brooklyn, I just did not appreciate all the things he does really, really well. And maybe he's just slowed down a little bit and he's contained himself a little bit more, but he's also kind of never been on great teams. Some of that's because he's taken up so much money in the salary cap and he probably needs a little bit more help than a guy like Kobe did or, you know, or, or some of those superstars of LeBron. Certainly he needs more help than those guys do. And he was getting paid similar money, but he's... He's incredible. He's just a great basketball player. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I know he's like, he's going to be that guy. He's like, going to be the last guy in or the first guy out. Yep. I think he's right in that level. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, if he w- finds a way to win a title, then maybe sure. he gets in. But he might play for three more years. And then if he scores 25,000 points, you just you can't keep him out. Right. Or, you know, he's the has the 10th most minutes in NBA history right. or whatever the it top is. Top 10 and threes made. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. he's just going to be so high on so many lists that you keep him in. You keep him around. Yeah. And you put him in. Yep. Um, all right, so disappointments now. I think there is one clear disappointment that you can't give an excuse for, and that's Trey Lyles. Uh, Trey Lyles should have been the starting power forward for the Jazz in these playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, with Boris Diaw, who's old, old and yeah. uh, Derek Favors hobbling as much as he was, Trey Lyles was the guy who I think the Jazz were kind of expecting the count to step up and show something in that role. And instead, he regressed like crazy yeah. from his rookie season. His and numbers are almost identical until it comes to shooting. Right. Uh, like his, his rebounds per game, his points per game, they're almost identical. But it took him 25% more to get there. Yeah. And that's a, it's a really bad sign. And I think we're, there's a little bit of recency bias here because his last three, four months were so bad. You know, like his November was good-ish is uh, December was actually decent better shooting percentages if I remember correctly uh January February March April was a train wreck and you know from like 33 percent shooting to 26 percent shooting to 20 percent shooting to 16 percent shooting I mean it's (laughs) it just became really really ugly and I don't think it's just 
just the, the shot with There's him. some weird things going on that I would like to see in a I, – I would like to see him play another season with the Jazz, to yeah. be honest with you. Because, first of all, once you lose your spot and you're a young person and you don't gain it back that year, I think that's really hard to deal with mentally. It's kind of the first time he's ever done this on any team he's ever right. been on. He said that. Uh, that's going to be hard to deal with. He was getting in in garbage time. I mean, he was very rarely playing valuable minutes. He still had a. Do you remember the Toronto game right before Christmas? Here, mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry was ridiculously good. The Jazz needed a burst in the second half, and I think Trey Lyles came in and had either a great second or a great third quarter. I think it was a great third quarter when the Jazz just needed that bonus. And it's right. hard to say, hey, he had one good game. That's worth keeping him around for. But he has that ability. Yeah. He still has that ability. It's not like he lost it from his rookie season to his sophomore year. So I think that's a really good sign for the Jazz. And that's the type of guy you've got to figure out. And those are meaningful minutes. Now, when you throw him in with three minutes a game and he's not uh, to play, and it's a game that's out of hand and it doesn't really matter what he does, maybe he knows it doesn't matter what he does. Sure. But if that's if you know if that were the case during January and February, I'd agree with you. But I think he had an opportunity with Derek Favors yeah. out to play right. lots of minutes, and then he was playing lots of minutes and wasn't wasn't playing well. You know, so it wasn't. Uh, he only started in, I believe it was four games this season. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I don't know that he, you can give him the starter spot so he gets that rhythm. But, it, you know, it, playing consistent minutes early on in the season and still struggling um, was, was a bad sign. Well, and, you know, the Jazz don't owe him anything. You know, yeah. they're trying to win games now. You can't just develop young guys when they have those really rough stretches. And Dante Exum suffered from the same problem. I mean, Dante Exum would have loved more time on the floor. And the Jazz could have developed him if they wanted to give him more time on the floor. But you can't do that because you have to win games to keep Gordon Hayward around. And yeah. that's just kind of you're trying to talk out of both sides of your mouth of what the Jazz are trying to do. And maybe if Gordon Hayward weren't a free agent this summer, you you do that, right? Like, yeah, exactly. If, if it's just George Hill and Joe Ingles as your free agents, then you know maybe you, you give more time to Dante and you give more time to Trey Lyles. But as is, you're just trying to, like, the goal of this season is to keep Gordon Hayward around. Exactly. So and then you have to do whatever you can, and you can't show that, like, hey, we're going to lollygag around with your career seven years in or six years in. Right. I mean, we're, it's about you, and it's about winning games, and that's why Boris Dio and Joe Johnson and George Hill are here. That's why Rudy Gobert's got to take that next step, and we're going to invest in him so heavily. That's, that's all about Gordon Hayward, and you can't give those crazy minutes to, to Lyles and Exum. Do you think Trey's, Trey Lyles is going to be a good player? Here's what I'm trying to look at right now, and I'm trying to pull this up as we go. I'm trying to figure out when he took off last year, when Trey Lyles kind of finally came into his own. Because you kind of the beginning of March. So I wonder, did, I mean, I'm looking here. Okay, this is, I'm in the wrong season here. Let me pull this up. I apologize. Uh, Did it coincide with Rudy Gobert's knee injury last year? So did he get in the rotation and start playing more? He did get in the rotation and, and started more in December and January, but he wasn't very good during those minutes. You know, he was, he was, Okay-ish, you know, it's kind of is what you would expect a rookie to be, a a twelfth pick rookie. This was clearly very raw, didn't really know what to do. Um, but then it was really March and April where he kind of found his place and and kind of found that he could score in the NBA level. Uh, and then for whatever reason, we didn't see much of that this year. Yeah, starting in March 9th, I think is his first double-digit game. We can even go back to let's say the 29th of February last year to the last game of the season, which was obviously a little bit of a joke. I mean, he's putting up double digits and sometimes in the 20s, probably three out of every four games, right. which is a really good number. And those were, I mean, you want to say that's the end of the season and teams weren't caring, but those were important games yeah. for the Jazz, right? right. Like, the Jazz were trying to win those. Yeah, absolutely. And Trey Lyles was a major part in a lot of those games. So. I mean, I'm not going to give up on Trey Lyles in that sense because he can do something that the Jazz need, and that's score the ball and shoot the ball. And every team needs that, and you need a stretch four. And he still fills that role, and you used a top 15 pick on him. 
Yeah. So in that sense, you have to keep going with him. Uh, and you know what? If you lose Gordon Hayward this offseason, you might be back to the drawing board a little bit. And having yeah. guys like Trey Lyles are really good at that point because he's still young and you still need to develop him. Right. I, here's my question. I, Do we know what Dennis Lindsay's game plan is because of what he's done in the past. I mean, do we feel like we know enough about how he attacks where the Jazz are now based off what he's done previously? Mm-hmm. He's generally been pretty aggressive in, uh, on draft night, whether it was trying to trade up and get either Jabari Parker or Andrew Wiggins. I mean, right. that was certainly the rumor uh, when the Jazz drafted uh, Exum and Rodney Hood that night. And they certainly tried. And they I tried. Mean, just the Cavs and, and Timberwolves weren't willing to make the deals. The Jazz traded a pick last year to go out and get George Hill. It wasn't on draft night, but it was a draft day trade, essentially. Yeah, it was the day before. You right. Know, whatever. So th- they have shown a willingness to make—they bought Rudy Gobert. I mean, those are aggressive moves. Those are those are things that they've even gotten, you know, Howell Neto. Weird things in the second round where they've targeted guys specifically, and they said, we're going to go find him and we're going to get him. I, I won't be surprised if that's again the case this year. I think you need to do that because you need to make a splash and show Gordon Hayward you're investing in him. But then as far as the rest of how to attack free agency, we've never seen him go out and spend big money in free agency. Even last year, he didn't spend a ton of money. Yeah. He took on an easy contract in Boris Diel for Olivier Hanlon, and then they went and paid Joe Johnson good money. Reasonable yeah. money, but not like crazy money. So right. I'm not sure like how ambitious we've seen Dennis Lindsay other than on draft night. Well, and honestly, if... If Gordon Hayward stays, you don't have an opportunity to be aggressive on in free agency because you don't have not. cap space, right? Right, like that. You 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 get whatever minimum guys are willing right. to sign. You know, mid level exception guys. But again, the quality of your mid level exception player has gone down because the cap is going up and everyone has room. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I I don't know that um, free agency is going to be the question. It's going to be again on draft night. What do the Jazz do? And in particular, do they add to their roster like they did with George Hill for the number 12 pick last year? Right. I think they do. You know, I, I think it just makes too many sense, uh, too many ways it makes sense yeah. for uh, keeping Gordon Hayward around, for making the roster better, um, for getting a stretch power forward. And I think you probably have to give up some current assets as well. You know, sure. I, I don't know that 23 and 30 do that much for you getting a contributing starter, you know, that right. level of player. Right. So maybe you have to give up favors in 23 in order to get someone, I, I'm making this name up, but Thaddeus Young, you know, whatever yeah, it is. Right. And you uh, you figure that out. You know, you you have to have some contributor who plays at that position. Right, and that's what I, I think the Jazz will test the waters, kind of start to get a sense of what they think Gordon Hayward's going to do, and then, yeah, uh, build accordingly. And, and you, you kind of have to build for both sides of the fence there. You have to build with the idea that he's coming back and build with the idea that he's not coming back. It's something I call a, a pre-build. I mean, it's almost a rebuild because you're going to lose Gordon Hayward. But right. you're also kind of preempting Gordon Hayward leaving by adding people to hope he stays. So yeah. you're kind of trying to do both things. That's what Oklahoma City did last year, adding Oladipo before Kevin Durant left. I mean, little things like that that you can do to try and ensure you're hedging your bets essentially, and then you're hoping you're better if he stay, if he sticks around. Now, if Gordon Hayward leaves, then you kind of wish you would have had the picks on the young players, right? Like Gordon Hayward leaves, m- you know, maybe Derek Favors isn't a, isn't a good fit to Rudy next to Rudy Gobert, no right. matter what. But um, you don't want to trade a guy like Rodney Hood then, or you don't want to trade a guy like Trey Lyles then, or you know, moving on down the list. Uh, who, anyone else disappointing for the Jazz this year? Yeah, I mean, my other guys were all kind of injury guys, and so you you hate being too hard on them, but right. You know, Derek Favors obviously went from 16 points a game to nine. To nine. Um, and I think it's worth noting that I, I, he was, he had the best outside shooting numbers of his career. So it's, it's two things that kind of caused that to go down. It's his finishing at the rim, which is all explosion, and yeah. he clearly lo- lost that. And uh, that he wasn't in very many screen and roll opportunities yeah. anymore, right? Like Rudy Gobert no should always do that. 
because Rudy Gobert is the second best player in the league right. at doing that. And, you know, Derek Favors is good, but he's 20th or something. Right. And Rudy's good when he goes to the free throw line. Now at least he's yeah. good enough that you're not going to get killed by it. And he's pretty punishing when he gets yep. down there. And yeah, he's he's you the sh- guy you want doing that. You should run yeah, every screen you have up top, you should run with Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and Exum, I mean, what did you really expect, Jazz fans? Yeah, I mean, that's. You, you would hope he'd be a defensive superstar, but he's coming off like a devastating knee injury. Yeah, I think it's fair to say you would have expected his skill level to rise more than it did, yeah. right? Like you, you would have expected him to be able to finish more at the rim, and maybe, you know, one thing that we we talked about is the one thing you can maybe work on is your shot form. Yeah, when your when your knees hurt, right. and we we didn't see uh, Dante certainly have a great shot this year. Right, and he's you know he's one of those weird long armed kids too that. Long arm guys generally haven't been traditionally great shooters. There are exceptions to that rule, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, right. Kawhi Leonard, but Rajon Rondo never figured out how to shoot. Dwayne Wade never figured out how to shoot. These guys who have these near seven foot wingspans on six three bodies, it doesn't add up all the time. Which, by the way, we don't give George Hill enough credit for being a great shooter, despite being six three and six nine wingspan. Right, right. He's in that that plus six group, as they like to call it. Yeah, Yeah. that plus six group that that the NBA likes so much. Right. yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's harsh on Dante, but I think it's fair to say that, like, maybe his skills didn't develop, you know, as much as Jazz fans hoped, uh, especially given that he, you know, I, I get that he had the whole year off, and it's it's as much of a mental recovery as it is yeah. a, as a physical one, but he had 13 months off, you yeah. know. And, but there are questions, and same with Trey Lyles, and this is why it's hard to give up the, on these guys in the offseason, and if you want to give up on Dante Exum or Trey Lyles in the offseason and package them with something, there's probably still enough unknown about them that you can get value back yeah, because they're a little sure. bit of that mystery man thing. Uh, how do these guys respond to adversity? Does Dante Exum know how to work hard yet? And, yeah. and I mean, like, does he understand, because he's never had a healthy offseason, does he understand what it means to, to improve something that you can't do? You know, yeah. other than just work on your knee or rehab your knee. I mean, those are all things that I think you have to learn over time. And some guys like Gordon Hayward... Carl uh, Malone was really famous for going and getting better and adding something every off season. And some guys don't. You know, yeah. some guys just are going to be who they are, and they're not going to work that hard. And, and uh, do you know what you have in Dante Exum? Or I mean, look at Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert has improved as much as anyone in the league since he joined. You know, since the day he joined to his talent level now, he's improved as much as anybody. Sure. Kobe, his first year in the league, he's just not good. My go-to guy here is Paul Millsap. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just right. from a rebound energy guy to right. an all-star because he added something new to his game every year. Right. Uh, if you can do that, well, Trey Lyles is great. Dante Exum's great if they want to keep working and adding those types of things. Some guys don't. Some guys don't ever want to get better. They yeah. just like slashing to the rim and falling on the floor, and that's who they want to be, and they don't want to improve that. Are you, are you talking about Alec Burks? I don't know he was, who he was I'm my about. fourth yeah. disappointing guy, so we might as well mention him. Yeah. Um, he does like falling to the floor. His teammates make fun of him for it, which doesn't pay attention when he's not guarding the ball. Right. And shot, unfortunately, this year under 40% within three feet of the rim, yeah. which is real bad. Right. Everyone on the team, everyone else on the team, and by the way, was 55% or unless more. Unless you shoot that well from beyond the three-point line. You know, you can balance out being a sub-40% shooter at the rim. If you're no one is a sub-40% right. shooter at the rim. Right. But if you can shoot 40% from the three-point line, teams will figure you out. Like, right. I'll, I'll have Eddie House on my team, even right. if he never gets into the paint. Has no interest in going in there and scoring. But that's not Alec Burks. No. No, absolutely not. And that's, <laughs> that's the problem. opposite. Yeah, exactly. He wants to be in the paint. He right. doesn't want to be the three-point shooter. Yeah, I, I I thought what he said on on media day or end-of-season media availability was really encouraging and that he realized, hey, I don't have it right now. Yeah. Look, I can't go right. over. I'm used to going past guys. I'm used to going around them. I'm used to going over them. Right. And I can't do any of that any right now. Well, you remember last year before he got hurt, I mean, he had two of the better dunks we've seen from the Jazz in the last decade. One of them was DeAndre Jordan. I mean, he has these ones where he's bouncing off people yeah. and throwing it through the rim from three feet away. And, and you thought, like, oh, that is nice. I've never seen him 
finish like that, as acrobatic as he is, I've never seen him finish over people like that. And you didn't see him even, even try it this year. Yeah. So, yeah, clearly that's that was gone this season. And maybe it comes back and he's valuable again. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a hope. Um, I mean, the, the problem is still, is he ever going to learn how to play defense, right? right. Like, and... You know, year six, probably. It's yeah, probably not. Probably not. And his skill set is not so unique. Uh, guys who can get downhill a little bit uh, and not shoot the three. I mean, th- those guys aren't impossible to find. There are right. a lot of players like that. I mean, like, this is unfair to Alec, but Jordan Crawford, right, you know, yeah. was in the D League. Jonathan Simmons had to pay $150 for a tryout. Right. And all he does is get downhill. Yeah. And then dunks on you, which is great. But that's, a, that's a good skill. But there, there, are, there are humans like that. Yeah. He doesn't. He's not so unique. Whereas Trey Lyles... There's not a lot of guys who are that big who can put the ball on the floor, who can pass, no, right. who can you know shoot, keep his balance as ridiculous as that got overrated before he got drafted. But <laughs> you know there are things like that that are valuable that not many guys that size can do, and there are a lot of six six guys who do what Alec Burks does. Yeah. Any other disappointments? Oh, uh, Rodney Hood was the other guy we didn't talk about, and I put in my article. I, I think he he was the same guy he was last season. You know, I don't think he had a very right. different season. Um, the I suspect biggest that knee injury was really yeah, nagging. I do too, long. and you see how that hurt him in the number of times he went to the free throw line, which yep. is the lowest of his career. So, you know, we've talked a lot about that about how how important that is for efficiency is getting to the free throw line, and he he just wasn't able to get there this he year. He had a couple of impressive finishes early in the year that I thought that was new. Uh, his dunk against Portland, which was maybe his best yep. play of the year, was one of those things where you thought, okay, he never did that in right. the in the past years, and, and he maybe, was healthy. Right, and maybe you thought, okay, he's just he's at it that now. And if he does that, he's really dynamic because he does shoot the three well, and he'll get more space if he can put the ball on the floor and then finish on top of you. Uh, and if he can't, then he's limited, and he was limited this year because of it. Yeah, he's also he's a year older than everyone else from his draft class because he went to Mississippi State, he transferred, he had to sit out a year, then he went to Duke. These guys who are a little bit older, I don't think you expect that increasing career arc that you may think of. Of because you only saw him one year at Duke, and right. I think a lot of people just blended like, oh, he's Jabari Parker because he played there, and it was the only <laughs> year he was there. Well, he's not. He's not he's a one. He's five years done. older than Jabari. He's five years older than Jabari Parker. And he's been Maybe in college four. for three years. So at that point, yeah, he's not. He's not kind of that that younger player that that I think Jazz fans were hoping he was, or or at least you kind of subconsciously start to believe he is. Right. I, I think Derek Favors is something like a year and a half older than Ronnie Hood. Right. There's there's like, like a there's a weird age discrepancy with those guys. That's not as big as you would think. It's it is. only one year and two months, three months. Yeah, I mean, almost the same. Derek class. Favors has been in the league forever. Right, you're three months away from being potentially in the same class of 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 in college or in high school. You know, one of them's old for their high school class, and one of them's young. But that's how close they are. And yeah, he's been in the league forever. I mean, Derek Favors feels like he's been around for a long time. He's one of the Jazz real. Vet. He was. He, he was, looks like it. That's that's was, the problem with Derek, right? He, right. And unfortunately, his body has just not held up, and he's got to figure out how to adjust to that, which yeah. is going to be 18 footers. And if he can't hit it, then he's going to be hard to keep around. Then he's a backup center. Yeah, which, which is, is fine. fine. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's not at right, not for the Jazz anyway. Like yeah, they won't they won't keep him around at that point. Yeah. Uh, anything else surprises disappointment wise, or do we want to talk about draft? I'm surprised how many games the Jazz won. Okay. I mean, I, I thought they could win 50 games before the season started. I did not think with all the injuries they would get close to 50 yeah. games, and then they won a playoff series. I mean, this was a great year for the Jazz. I know everyone's kind of written about that and said that, and regardless of getting swept, it was really good. And I thought watching the Spurs and watching the Rockets, and both of them got hurt. Kawhi got hurt before Game 6. Nene was out for the rest of the playoffs after a couple of games. Uh, the Jazz would have played well against both of those teams. I, I had no doubt about the Jazz being able to beat Houston if they would have met up with them in the mm. first round. I still believe that. I know they had a couple of crazy games. I know game one in San Antonio where they won by 30. Jazz would have lost by 32. Yeah, fine. 
That's what happens. Right. The Rockets won two more games than the Jazz did this year, right? Or, I mean, they, they played two more games than the Jazz did. They went to game six in the finals instead of, and I know they actually only won more because they didn't go to game seven or whatever it is, but, you know, as far as the second round, they only played two more games than the Jazz did. That yeah. that discrepancy was not enormous. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think the Jazz would have played well against, uh, against the Spurs. Yeah, I think they would have. Kawhi's a problem, but he's a problem for everyone. So is Rudy. So is Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. All those guys would have been really good uh, against one another. I, I think my biggest thing coming coming away from that was how much of this year really was due to Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert. Yep. Like you can really associate twenty five wins um, to those two guys, which is great. And that's yeah, which is great. I mean, and like you say, every team starts with twenty, right? Brooklyn has twenty eight right. with completely replacement right. level talent. Right. Unless you're trying to win nine, you win twenty. Yeah, and we've so, seen that the Philly will try and win nine to get a number one pick, or right. someone will. You know, the Nets did a couple of years ago. Otherwise, yeah, you just naturally win 20 games because you show up on a basketball floor and you have 12 NBA players. Yeah. And, and you know, more credit to those guys for being who they are. Yeah. All right. Uh, draft things. Uh, NBA combine this weekend in Chicago. All the big jazz draft executives from Dennis Lindsay. Heck, everyone in the organization is basically over there. Yep. A uh, couple of takeaways. I mean, Kyle Kuzma was great in his really great. games. Uh Frank Jackson of Duke and formerly of Lone Peak. Yeah. Also very good. And I think that's something, A, that we saw when the Jazz went out and drafted Joel Ball and Boy, that they're not afraid to take kids in the state. And some some teams are are wary of that. Yeah. Some teams are, are wary of drafting the college superstar, the Jimmer thing, coming to the Jazz when they could have used a shooter or a backup guard or a wing or whatever. Because you don't want that pressure to, A, either play that guy too much or, B, like if there are issues that that guy has in college or who his entourage is or whatever – you don't want that to stick around. Agreed. And I think the Kevin O'Connor Jazz were very worried about it. Yeah. You know, like I think. But on the other hand, the Kevin O'Connor Jazz really wanted Damian Lillard. So right. I, I think it was really they were more worried about, A, the Jimmer phenomenon, which was different than the Lillard. It was a religion was not a phenomenon, itself. right? Yeah. Uh, and B, just Jimmer is not a very good basketball player. And right. I think they knew that. Right. At, at the NBA level. Right. And and you know what? They have a lot of respect for Larry Kraskoviak, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. When I've talked to some of the Jazz people, the draft people, they say, you know, the one thing about Larry, and look, he's put DeLon Wright into the NBA, put Jakob Pertl into the NBA, he's about to put Kuzma into the NBA. Like, He knows how to develop NBA guys. Whether or not you know Utah fans love him or the transfers and all the crazy stuff that's gone up there, he's played in the NBA. He's spent a long time, in, like a decade in the NBA. And, and he's coached at that level, And he's too. coached at that level. So he knows what it takes to get there and be there and how to operate there. And if you've been getting that type of coaching for three years— He's probably decently well prepared versus Jim Boylan, who was a crazy person, or you know some of the jackal. Jim Boylan, NBA coach too. He's an NBA coach too. He's not a head coach. Okay. And maybe he will. Maybe he'll get that opportunity. It seems like he's been up for a lot of jobs and never done it. Right. And I That's think true. there's a reason. Uh, he's also jumped around bizarrely a lot for an assistant coach. Okay. Because I think a lot of people like him. He's an Izzo guy. I get it. But uh, he's he also doesn't stick around terribly long wherever he's gone, which I think is interesting and something to you know maybe he's trying to get better jobs and maybe he's job chasing or maybe he's. People are saying, great, that's an right. awesome opportunity for you. You should definitely explore that. <laughs> it's funny, like, I, I was a little bit worried about that when Quinn Snyder was hired. This is completely off the topic yeah. now, but, right? I mean, five jobs in five years. Oh, yeah. uh, what's going on? Right. But it was just Quinn's, and, like, crazy ambition to learn yeah. everything he oh, possibly could. And I still don't think it would be crazy if he's gone in four years. Yeah. You I know, because he wants to take another job or, or whatever. He burns himself out. I mean, I, I tweeted out a photo of him at, at Media Day and then Locker Room Clear Out. And, you know, I don't know why... I mean, he just he probably lost 20 pounds throughout the season, which I think a lot of guys do. I think naturally you kind of put on weight in the offseason. Some guys put on weight during the year, but but you kind of wear down because you're on the road and maybe he doesn't. Some guys stress eat. Maybe he stress starves himself. 
but like he's gaunt, he's thin at the end of the year, yeah. like because he puts so much into it. Like he's a burnout guy. He burns himself out places he goes, and that's hard. And that's not a bad thing. You want at least he's working hard. You know, right, right. Doc Rivers might just be kicking his feet up and smoking cigars <laughs> after Nelson. games. Yeah, right. And uh, so I mean, maybe he's that type of guy who just he burns himself out wherever he goes. And that's why he's had four careers, five careers, and they're all super high stress. Maybe. That's a good point. So something to keep an eye on, but uh, Jazz are thrilled to have him right now, and he's worth every penny that they pay him. Uh, anything else from the from the combine? Uh, I mean, I- interesting. Frank Jackson, one and done. He's going to hire an agent. He's sticking in the draft. He announced that today from Lone Peak, as you mentioned. That's another guy who you may say, you know what? He's really young for the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's barely 19 years old right now. He probably shouldn't have been a one and done guy based on what his production was That's alone a- at Duke. I was going to ask you, were you, were you disappointed with his year at Duke? Uh, I mean, he was playing next to Grayson Allen, and he's playing right. next to good players. You know, he's playing next to Luke Kennard. Uh, they, they have guys, and, you know, they had a weird issue with uh, uh, Shashevsky being hurt all year. I mean, they have, they had, a, it was a weird season at Duke. Started hot, went cold, came back. I mean, that was a weird year. I, I don't think it was a mistake for him to come out. I don't think it's ever a mistake for guys to come out. And you saw how good he was last night, if you watched the five on five. I mean, he shot 40% from the three-point line in college, which is a really good number. He shot over 50% from the floor. So it's not like he has an issue. Whatever it is, I think it was more an opportunity problem. Okay. He's not a point guard. You're not bringing him in to come in and, and, and replace George Hill. Yeah. He's a – you hope he's C.J. McCollum. You know, you hope he's a guy who when he turns the corner, he gets downhill, probably even more so than McCollum does, and he can really shoot. And the Jazz are in a place now where they could draft him and they could put him in the D League. And the fact that he'd be back kind of in his hometown and able to develop and the Jazz believe in developing – that's a guy you take at 30, or that's a guy you say we've got the 55th pick and the 42nd pick? 42, yeah. Let's trade those together and move up to 33, and it's non-guaranteed, or 35, and we'll give someone $2 million, and we're going to go get this guy, and we think if we give him two years, he's going to be a guy who would have been a lottery pick otherwise, or one year, and he's going to be a lottery pick otherwise. And I think the Jazz actually can probably afford to do that because they have four picks between 24 and 55. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you can do that, why not? You know, that is Damian Lillard. That's what yeah. you hoped. You, I mean, I think the Jazz wanted Damian Lillard to declare the year before he did yeah. because they were the only ones who knew about him. I mean, not the only ones, but they would have drafted him at whatever or traded up to get him and, and found a way to draft him and then just sat on him until he was ready to go. And I think that's what you hope for with Frank Jackson. I think the Jazz could draft Kyle Kuzma. I mean, those guys mm-hmm. both fit real needs. Kuzma, I saw him when he enrolled at the U. I ran into him at a restaurant, and he was wearing all Utes gear. I didn't know who he was, and I just talked to him in line. And I just thought, like, this kid has an NBA body, and he's— 17 years old. Mm-hmm. So he's he's had that forever. Yeah. And if he's developed a shot, and since February he shot almost 40% from the three-point line, even though his number says 32% on the year, he shot 38% after February, and that clearly continued. He was 4 or 5 yesterday. 6'9", can put the ball on the floor, can pass, can rebound, can shoot the three. I mean, that's that's a really good player. It's really interesting. And if you can get him at 30 and you know something that nobody else does because you've seen him play 30 times... You, you go and pick him. I think you can definitely get him at 30. I worry about defense and basketball IQ a little sure. bit with him. Sure, But, I, you know, sure. that's not something new. He's also, I mean, he's, he's also been in a weird spot. I mean, the first year it was DeLon's team, and then the second year it was Jakob Pertl's team, and that but was his that's, team. I mean, you can help with defense and, sure. and sure. IQ if you're not right. the guy, right? Also, and he won't be the guy in the NBA either. No, no. I mean, the, the, I think your fear is that he's Trey Lyles. Right. I think your hope, though, is that he figures out a little bit of the defensive thing and shoots 40% from the three-point line. If he does that, <laughs> he's insane. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's impossible. Okay. He's not Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, right. I'm not just because you're drafting a 6'9 guy who you hope can shoot and kind of do a lot of different things. I, I, I think he's really interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Utes felt or if the Jazz felt like they, they had something in him and they've been watching him for a long time. And if that three developed, he was a, kind of a guy who you have to take a chance on. And now you decide you want to take a chance on him. 
And when you've got picks at 24 and 30 and 42 and 55, like you can afford to take some of those risks yeah. because they did with Ball and Boy last year. Yep. And I think he's been a great pick. Absolutely. Ball and Boy. Maybe that was a guy we put, put, should have put as a surprise. I mean, he's, the fact that he made the team on October 27th or whatever the Jazz first game was, the fact that he was on the roster was a huge surprise hmm. to me. You, it really. I like – I. I mean, they once they traded Tibor Place, right? Like it was clear yeah. that he was going to stay, but still, at least I, you, I, I wasn't even sure he was going to. I wasn't even sure he was going to stay. In all honesty, at that point, like mm-hmm. I didn't know if he would ever be on the bench for the Jazz. And he was on the bench for a, a bunch for the Jazz, yeah. even after the Stars. You know, even while the Stars were playing, and and they called him up a lot, and they they liked him. I was so. surprised at how good his jump shot was. He's got good time. He's, he's weird. He's a weird player. I mean, I've just said he's on a different wavelength than everyone else on the floor. He yeah. he's hard to not notice when he's out there because he runs hard and he jumps hard and he. Tackles guys, and, you know, he wants to dunk everything, <laughs> right. and I, I like those guys. I like yeah. I like big guys who like to dunk the basketball, and he does. All right, that's our KSL Court Report for today. Uh, if you guys want to sponsor this podcast, send me an email at alarsen at ksl.com, A-L-A-R-S-E-N at ksl.com for details, more information. Uh, as always, you can listen to the show as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Just do a search for KSL Court Report. You can tweet me at Andy B. Larson. Tweet Ben at Ben K Fan if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns. But for now, we're out. Gonna go enjoy our Friday nights. Have a good one. Are we? I, what I, are we doing? You got anything to do? Uh, no. No. You you're a father. You're like you yeah, gotta you right. gotta do that. There's no Friday night. Yeah. We gotta go to bed early. Gotta get up early. Well, so we're gonna enjoy that. Yeah. Anyway. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, everyone.